Welcome to Meet the Professors. This is medical oncologist Dr. Neil Love. As is the usual practice in these oncology improv tumor boards, our panel of community-based medical oncologists prepared a series of real but de-identified cases to present to the faculty, beginning with Dr. Rowan Shablowski and Dr. Steve Jones, and Dr. Ken Hoffman presented the first patient. At the time of presentation in 1994, this was a 57-year-old white female, postmenopausal, English teacher of junior high school students, who presented with a stage 2 ER-positive, PR-positive breast cancer, which was treated with five years of tamoxifen therapy. Her primary breast treatment was lumpectomy plus external radiation therapy with a boost to the primary tumor site. She was NED without evidence of disease from 1994 to 2006. In November of 2006, she presented to the emergency room after having suffered a grand mal seizure. CAT scan showed no bleed, but there is a mass in the right frontal temporal region. She is right-handed. The neuroradiologist felt that this was a glioblastoma multiforme or a high-grade astrocytoma. She was taken to the operating room where I was called in because what was found was a single breast cancer metastasis. This was totally resected. The patient received whole brain radiation therapy, but no other treatment was given. The pathology was a breast cancer which was ER positive, HER2 negative, and consistent with her primary lesion. At that time, mammograms of both the left and the right breast were negative. The patient then resettled to the panhandle of Florida. In March of 2007, I was called by her daughter that she had had a simple, quote-unquote simple, anterior myocardial infarction, which was healed without complications and acutely treated with two stents. In February of 2008, she presented with a non-productive cough. Chest x-ray showed multiple lesions in the lung, and a left supraclavicular lymph node mass 2 by 2 centimeters was felt. Biopsy showed an ER-negative HER2-new positive disease. Mammograms and MRIs of both breasts were negative. But the tumor in the brain was ER-positive. It was ER-positive. And HER2-negative. HER2 right. So now she has a HER2-new positive ERPR-negative tumor. Is that Fish or IHC? IHC of 3+. plus. And what was her general condition at that point? Perfect. Played tennis, everything. Walker. She's on her third husband but not a mass murderer. And she is now 71 years old and works as a volunteer teaching children in our community English as a second language. Steve? When she had the brain metastasis, no one put her on tamoxifen or aromatase. There is no evidence of disease. She decided since we had nothing to follow that we would do nothing. So this sounds just like what Dr. Rowan reported at ASCO five years ago, rebiopsing patients, getting a change in the pattern. I mean, most of the time, the pattern's very consistent. So certainly with the brain mass compared to the first one, it was pretty consistent, ER-positive disease. But now it's changed its stripes. So what would you do? Well, I think now you've got a HER2-positive breast cancer that's metastatic. What shows up on the lungs? She's got a cough. She's got multiple lesions that were too numerous to count. Actually, when you look at her lungs, you're wondering why she is not more symptomatic than she is. This was in February. You know, she's really had remarkably little treatment, so I think you've got kind of all the options of the different chemo drugs plus Herceptin. So the main ones have been Paclitaxel, Herceptin, or the other trial with Taxotere Herceptin. So weekly Paclitaxel would be pretty easy treatment here, and plus Herceptin, that's probably what I treat her with. How about trastuzumab alone? This woman's already symptomatic. She's got a little cough. Uh, She's got lots of lung lesions. You really probably can't afford to let her progress in two or three months and become quite symptomatic. So I think you need a more rapid response. And I would use single-agent chemo plus the biologic rather than doublet therapy. 
Rowan? Yeah, I do the same thing. I mean, I think even though I'm a little bit off the Zelota case now, I agree that to treat this patient as a HER2 overexpressing patient, and still I don't see any evidence about combinations being better than single-agent sequential. And we had a couple signals, at least in the adjuvant state, to that effect, the taxol gemcitabine, which was positive, has survival benefit in advanced disease with no crossover, they did nothing. It has a ratio of one in an adjuvant setting added on top of kind of an EC base. So basically, single-agent sequential seems to be an approach that hasn't been beaten yet in metastatic breast cancer. What do we know about heterogeneity and markers? You know, the possibility if you biopsied something else, you'd see it ER positive, HER2 negative. Yeah, I mean, there's some evidence for that. Just remember this picture that showed us one breast biopsy, which half was IHC positive for HER2 overexpressed, and the other half wasn't. So we don't have clear data on that. And I think where that comes up is interesting. Our own discussion is, should you be doing receptor status in HER2 on your core needle or on your final specimen? And that's kind of a debate as well, depending if you're not doing neoadjuvant, maybe you should do it just on your actual surgical specimen where you'd have a better chance of having the pathologist may have a signal that there might be a couple things going Going on. So we've actually switched now and are just doing the ERPR and HER2 if we're not doing neoadjuvant on the full resection rather than the core needle biopsy. I just bring up another point on this patient because the other thing that I would have to really think about, you've got a supraclavicular node and lung mets, is that this is a new primary. You can't find it, you can't see it, you can't image it, but still new primary. It has very different characteristics. This one's rapidly growing, it's HER2 positive, and there could be a tiny primary in there somewhere that you just haven't discovered. So what happened with the patient? I should mention she's a non-smoker as well, never had smoked. So, Anyway, we talked earlier about socialization. Her husband is fervently Catholic and she's fervently Jewish, so she did not want to get treatment until after Easter. And if you know about this year, Easter was a month before Passover. So her first treatment was the first week in April. And as a convert, quote-unquote, from AC to TCH, and thinking that she had her lungs were over half covered by tumor, we actually got informed consent to treat her with Taxotere, Cytoxin, not Carboplatin, and Herceptin. And almost within a week... You can never be wrong doing that. (laughs) And when you showed up, I knew I was on safe, solid ground, at least 50%. What was interesting is that within two weeks, we knew she was better because her cough essentially disappeared. Her appetite improved. She gained weight. You know, when you have a bad cold and you can hardly eat, she was looking forward. She actually helped with the preparation of the Seder meal. Physical examination on the fourth day of Passover showed that her left cervical lymph node, which you could see and was elevated when you walked in, was now pea-sized. The one thing she did is she got hypertensive and dealing with some of the stuff with the cardiologist, and she put him on a beta blocker and a calcium channel blocker also for protection as well, and she has been asymptomatic for the last two months. Cardiac workup prior to start of therapy was normal. I just called the office because she just had a chest x-ray. Her lesions now, which were unbelievably uncountable, too numerous to count, like microbiology. She now has four small lesions in the right lower lobe of the lung, three in the left. She had on physical examination just fullness. She could just feel no distinct masses in the left supraclavicular lymph node, and she feels great and is back playing tennis. Yeah, one of the things that this reminds me of is that trastuzumab really had a considerable boost at San Antonio and ASCO. We're talking about U.S. oncology, Joyce O'Shaughnessy's presentation on looking at just how remarkable the drug is when you really think about it. There was prior anthracycline, prior taxanes, metastatic disease, 
averaged six lines of therapy, of course, had to progress on trastuzumab, randomized to lapatinib versus lapatinib plus trastuzumab, and the combination had double the response and time to progression in a large trial, 297 patients. And together with the re-report, which they originally reported at San Antonio, the German report of the interrupted trial, which was repeating the lapatinib registry trial, which was progression on trastuzumab and metastatic disease randomized to, this was Zolota or Zolota plus continued Herceptin, even though he was resistant to Herceptin, and had the same kind of thing, doubling of response, 46 versus 23, even though the p-values are a little marginal because of the size. So you had two signals that you can continue to give trastuzumab and don't have to switch to an agent and get a response. And then you said in this downstream, way downstream measurement, there's still benefit to continuing trastuzumab. So I think the signal we're seeing, maybe the same thing with the Vastin, is that it looks like the monoclonals, I don't think we would have guessed this a few years ago, it looks like the monoclonal antibodies are going to be the winners, or at least for now, are better than the small molecules. And it looks like trastuzumab is the base on which we're going to add other things rather than lapatinib replacing trastuzumab because it's a small molecule oral and maybe has less cardiac toxicity. So a person like this is probably going to be on trastuzumab for a long time because we have a signal, now two signals for continuing this agent for as many cycles as you could probably think up. Steve, what about this combination of lapatinib and trastuzumab? Any situations in a non-protocol setting, assuming you can get it paid for, where you think you would consider doing that? Yeah, I think Joyce's presentation, ASCO, actually did change my thinking about this because it would be nice to use a couple of these biologic agents that are pretty well tolerated and avoid chemo, and some of the patients would want to do it. So as Rowan said, the average was four lines of treatment. Some of the, the third of the patients suddenly had six lines of treatment, and yet still adding lapatinib to trastuzumab was effective with about a third clinical benefit rate and significant time to tumor progression. So that gives you an option for some of these patients who where they start progressing on trastuzumab. The point of this patient is you'll give her chemo for some period of time, you'll continue her on trastuzumab, probably in a three-week schedule at some point when her disease starts growing. This actually presents the option for adding lapatinib to that without her going back on chemo. Her hair will regrown. She really won't want to go back on chemo, and it gives you a choice that we didn't really have before we had this data. And I think it also bodes well for the ALTO trial, which is the adjuvant study where both drugs are being given together are given in sequence. So I think that kind of strengthens the argument for getting ALTO done. 8,000 patients take all the cooperative groups in the world, and someday Edith will be up there presenting it. <laughs> what I've heard, though, too, is some hesitation about the possibility of giving chemo with that combination of trastuzumab and lapatinib, that there's been toxicity seen in that situation. Is that your take? Yeah, but I think here, you know, you weren't giving chemo with right. it. You are just adding lapatinib. I'm just trying now, to differentiate yeah. the idea of using this biologic combination from somebody taking the next step to say, well, let me take the same biologic combination and add chemo. I'm not sure we have safety data on that. No, we don't. But, you know, in the ALTO trial, all the anthracycline-based chemo is given first, and then right. you go on the biologic therapy. So there you'll be really an adjuvant setting trying to duplicate this. So I think it does bode well for that study. And this is actually the exact same thing, I mean, except in a better stage disease. So it's giving no chemotherapy, given the combination. In downstream, we had all kinds of chemotherapy. So to think that it's not going to work when you have just a little bit of chemotherapy early in the course. It really strongly suggests that that's going to be a positive study. Yeah, I mean, I would just, you know, looking at the concept of doing this, I think there's just no way this is going to work. But in fact, it did work. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Like, it's really sobering to think about if for some reason she didn't have accessible tissue or you didn't get a biopsy. You know, that biopsy really changed right. her entire life.